You may have noticed something about the name Knight Frank, the second of those two words in particular. Frank. We've always prided ourselves on being just that with our clients, and never more so than now. So if you're thinking of selling or letting your home, contact your local Knight Frank office. We'll give you a frank opinion of its value, frank advice on the best pricing strategy, and a frank estimation of how quickly it will sell or let. What else would you expect from Knight Frank, your partners in property? Hello and welcome to At Home With, a podcast in the residential business at Knight Frank. At Home With offers a glimpse inside the lives of some of the world's foremost property experts, their clients and our partners. And every week you'll be hearing conversations with interesting people from across the world about how they made it to where they are today, how they found their dream homes and how we can help you find yours. I'm your host, journalist and social media executive at Knight Frank, Rebecca Hills. Today, I'm joined by Alessia Carter, an associate in our residential valuation advisory team. Alessia and I had the most wonderful conversation about her experience on our graduate scheme, why she founded the incredible NextGen Network, and how important exercise is for managing her mental health. Alessia started her property career back in 2015 after graduating from the Royal Agricultural University with a first-class degree in real estate and securing a place in our graduate scheme. During the graduate scheme, Alessia gained experience across the residential business, including in leasehold reform, residential sales and nettings, property management and research. She then went on to qualify as a charter surveyor and became a registered valuer in 2018. If this wasn't enough, Alessia was also promoted to an associate in 2020 and is the founder of our NextGen Network. Alessia, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the podcast. Thank you very much, Becky. Uh, I feel very honoured to have been asked to uh, speak with you today. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. No worries. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a really great conversation. And how are you doing at the moment? Obviously, we're we're still in lockdown. It's the the beginning of February, and it's it's all snowing everywhere. But how how have things been for you recently? Um, it's been a bit of a different lockdown. I feel um uh, in comparison to the other lockdowns that we have been in, lockdown number three. Um, the weather has um I think made people feel a little bit more um, a little bit more down and not really wanting to go outside and, and exercise. I, I definitely feel a little bit of that at the moment. I'm very much a, a get up in the morning and get outside and uh, get outside for a run and do quite a lot of exercise. But this one's been a little bit trickier, I will admit. Um, but I'm trying to keep my mind busy and proactive and make sure I'm doing my gym classes in the morning on Zoom and and getting outside for fresh air at lunchtime and 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 doing my my daily walk. Um, but yeah, I will admit this one's been a little bit harder than the other ones. Um, and definitely from speaking to to friends and and family and colleagues, I think everybody else has found this one a bit trickier too. Yeah, that really does seem to be the general consensus is that because it's so gloomy and it's been going on for so long now, there is that huge lockdown fatigue, as I think most people are calling it. Um, But it's great to hear that you're still finding ways of keeping positive and keeping exercising and getting outside and all that sort of stuff because I think it's so important at the moment to make sure there's some degree of normality to what you're doing. And in regards to kind of what's going on from a, a night frank from a work perspective how have, how's lockdown been for you with obviously not being able to get out and, and value properties as easily as you would have been pre-lockdown so actually um the restrictions on on working for us have have been quite minimal um the government have allowed the property market to to continue so obviously sales and lettings can continue doing their 
um, viewings um, and that also means that we can get out and do our inspections as well because we are a key part in the property transaction process being, um, being residential valuers so actually I, I do manage to get out um, during the week I tend to do my inspections on, on one day of the week um, which um, allows me to, to to get out of the house and get away from my desk um, but for the other four days of the week I am very much at home working away on my on my valuation reports but um but yeah so that's that's been that's been a good a good um thing for for me i am not want to just be sat at my desk the whole the whole time and that was very much a thing that inspired me to to go into property and, and become a valuer um which i'm sure we will talk about a bit later on but um but yeah it's been good that i have um i'm fortunate enough to be able to get outside and uh, get around people's houses um still so that's been great yeah absolutely I'm, I'm very jealous i do very much miss the the exciting part of the job of going to properties and being able to to see people and do slightly more exciting things than just sitting on teams call all the time but um and obviously you mentioned there what inspired you to to get into property in the first place so i think that's quite a natural segue to to take things all the way back to the start and look at the beginnings of your properties career and what ultimately inspired you to move into the field. So would you mind giving us a bit of an insight into what the driving force was behind choosing a career in property? Yes, absolutely. Probably start back when I was at school, to be honest. Um, I, when I was in sixth form, I didn't really know what I necessarily wanted to go into. Um, from being a child up until when I was in sixth form, my life was very much revolved around music. Um, I was singing semi-professionally um, and I, did a lot of drama. I was involved in a lot of um, drama classes and, and drama at school, and was involved in in three or four choirs throughout my my uh, my teens. So I always thought that my my career would be in music of some sort. But um, I think as I kind of grew up through kind of sixth form, I realised that actually music probably needed to take um, a back seat and was be more for more of a hobby within my life as opposed to my main source of income and um, being my main career. So at that point in time, I had a, a sit down with my mother and we we, we looked at the pros and cons of, of myself. Um, and I guess those pros were that I am good with people and I am very interactive um, and that I <laughs> for better or for worse, probably a little bit nosy at times. So from, from doing that uh, analysis, I, I guess we, we thought that actually property was probably quite a good, a good place for me to, to look at. Nobody in my family is in property, which I think a lot of people who work in the industry do typically tend to have a, a parent or a sibling that, uh, that have gone into the profession and, and, uh, and then you've kind of followed suit. But uh, my, my brother's actually an orthopedic surgeon. My my dad's an accountant and uh, my mum at the time um, was was a medical rep. So um, we have no real property connection, to be honest. Um, but just from speaking to, to friends um, who worked in, in the profession and just people who kind of knew my personality, it was always kind of a running joke that I would I would be a good estate agent or just a good property uh, professional. So um, that's when kind of the alarm bell started ringing and I started doing a little bit of work experience. Um, and then I started looking at different universities that offered property related courses. And at the time, I was at an all girls school in, in Harrogate in North Yorkshire and um, the thought of going to a really big university 
was actually quite daunting at the time. I looked around um, Northumbria and quite a few of the, the northern based universities and it just didn't really seem right for me at the time. And, and I had a couple of friends that had gone to the Royal Agricultural College, which is now the Royal Agricultural University, um, that had gone either into real estate or uh, rural land management. So more of the rural route um, and really enjoying it. I decided to go and, and have a look around uh, absolutely loved it. A lot of my family live in Cheltenham, so I was quite close to quite a lot of my family, which was nice. I am big into horses um, and just generally being outside in the countryside. Um, so that was another big drive for me. I decided then and there that I was going to apply and, and hopefully get into uh, Tusire and to, to study real estate, which is, which is what I did. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting to hear a slightly, I don't want to use the word calculated because that sounds a little bit sinister, but a, a more kind of proactive approach to entering the industry. Because I think a lot of people, um, especially on the resi side of things, tend to say that they almost fell into property. Um, and that does seem to be the case with more of the residential side of things. For you, was it always resi that you had in mind even when you were studying or was it more just exploring uh, and working out while you were doing that work experience and while you were doing your degree about which side of the industry you wanted to get into? Um, Siren Sester is very much directed towards the, the residential route actually so before I went to Siren Sester I residential was my passion you know looking around people's houses looking at people's houses um opening country life or or, or walking past estate agents on the high street in Harrogate and, and having a good nosy at people's houses so I did kind of go to university with the focus of, of coming out and going into residential of some sort um we did do a commercial um a couple of commercial modules but um it didn't quite tickle my fancy <laughs> to be honest with you uh, it was always kind of residential from from the start and obviously you you entered in tonight frank on our our grad scheme and i think for a lot of people again just from experience of interviewing people from this podcast they tend to go either straight into a residential office or they'll go and do lots of different things before ending up at night frank for you was it really important to make sure that you got onto the grad scheme and experience lots of different elements of the residential business before you decided exactly what you were going to settle on yes exactly so um yeah so when I was at Sirencester it was in my my final year and we had to decide um which firms we were going to apply to um and obviously I wanted to do residential there was a lot of people that wanted to do commercial and there are quite a few more firms that offer a commercial grad scheme um, than residential so it was quite limited at the time I think I applied to to three firms, um, but Knight Frank was obviously at top of the list. Um, when I applied for the grad scheme, you got invited to an interview, and, and that was just a half an hour interview with one of the partners. And the person that interviewed me was actually, is actually my boss now, uh, which is great. And then you got called back for an assessment day, and that is a six-hour day of uh, a combination of interviews um, and a presentation and a group exercise as well. So that was quite a long day, but very interesting to get to know a number of the different partners and meet other people that were similar to you, you know, going through the same process at university and applying for, uh, for different positions. And then was delighted to have been offered a place on the graduate scheme. And then 
joined the firm in September 2015. I remember being very nervous on that first day, <laughs> the induction day, uh, meeting all of our fellow um, cohorts and having having a talk by Alistair Elliott and various other um, partners in the firm and just understanding a bit more about the structure of the firm and, and the service lines. Um, and at that point in time, we got offered our uh, first rotation. Um, and my first rotation at that point was uh, lettings. Um, so I spent three months in lettings in Oldgate, which is an area that I'd never spent time in before. Um, but I absolutely loved it. It's a brand new office at the time. It just opened it was just lettings in there and um it was great fun it was a, a great place to start in a, in a small environment getting out and about seeing seeing properties and um, it was just a great way to start my time at night frank and my career and it definitely boosted my confidence you know getting on the phone straight away getting out meeting people but then yeah throughout the two years i experienced um seven departments because of the experience that you need to to receive in order to kind of become competent and then take your um, APC in order to qualify to be a chartered surveyor. So from lettings, um, I then ended up in uh, ResDev and I was doing institutional consultancy. And then from then I went into uh, research and that was a very interesting stint. And then I went into uh, leasehold reform, which is uh, another valuation department, which comes quite hand in hand with what I do now. So that was an invaluable experience. And then from then I went into sales. And when I went into sales, it was just as Brexit had been announced. Um, so uh, that was quite a an interesting time to be going into a sales department. Um, and I worked actually in, in three different offices over the course of six months. I worked in Belsize Park and then I went to St. John's Woods and then I finished in Hyde Park. So working in three very different offices, uh, covering lots of different types of property, dealing with very different clients um, and Obviously, um, it was amazing to work with lots of different people within the firm. As a valuer, I speak with agents on a daily basis. So um, having that time in lettings and sales and getting to know different people and the way that they work and the, the, the graft that really does go into being a, a lettings or a sales neg um, has really helped with, with my, my job now. And then um, from sales, I went into my current team. I did a three-month stint in Resi Vals, and I absolutely adored it. I love people, the work we do. Um, I love the structure of, of, of the work that, um, that we undertake. And then I needed to finish the grad scheme, of course. So I left um, my three months in, in Resi Vals, and I went to work in, in property management. Um, and that was um, also a very interesting department to, to work in and really just to understand the, the basics of, of property management. And then I sat my APC and, and then I went and worked full time back in, in the team that I'm in now, which is residential valuation and advisory. And I have been here for the last three and a half years um, as a permanent member of the team, which is which is fabulous. I absolutely, absolutely love it. Amazing. That's such that's such an interesting experience to have had. And it's, it's incredible that you were in, as you said, seven departments. That's such a 
it's quite an intense experience it sounds like but it sounds like it could be and and was for you a really really comprehensive way of understanding the residential industry and as you said getting so many different ideas and so many different experiences from all the different teams within the residential division here at Night Frank and and something that I kind of thought while you were speaking about that was that in order to be able to to put yourself in as you said those seven different departments and and move around so so quickly almost throughout different teams and not have a long time spent in each of each of the departments you have to be quite resilient and adaptable in order to succeed in that environment in order to thrive and see it as useful rather than to be intimidated by it and it and it knock your confidence a little bit would you say that you're naturally quite a resilient or an adaptable person or is that something that the grad scheme gave you that ability to be more adaptable to different scenarios and different types of work and things that come your way I think I've always been quite a resilient person in all honesty um I like to think of myself as as being confident um but yeah, there was definitely times and, you know, throughout my my life, but yeah, definitely times throughout the graduate scheme where, you know, your confidence might have been knocked slightly, not through anybody's particular fault, but just because, um, like you say, you're, you're constantly meeting new people and, 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 and doing different types of work and they're quite short periods of, of time to be on a rotation three months, you know, you're really just getting settled and, and then you get then you get quite good at it and then all of a sudden you're off again into the next department so you know I was 20 just turned 21 I graduated my birthday's in June and I, I joined Night Frank in the September so you know I was very young and it was my my first job and you're always wanting to make sure that you're you're doing the best job that you can possibly do and um I guess learning learning new skills and um, takes time and yeah I think at times I definitely felt oh gosh I, I hope I'm I'm doing this right you know I hope that they, they don't think I'm I'm being silly or or whatever. Um, I'm not do, like I'm not doing a very good job. But um, the feedback that I received throughout throughout my graduate scheme was great. You know, there was so much support. I had um, a counsellor, um, and then you have a supervisor within your team, and you kind of you sit down and you have regular meetings. And at the end of the rotation, you sit down and and have an appraisal document, and you go through kind of the pros and cons of 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 your experience in that team and all the feedback was always very positive so that was always very encouraging then going into your next team you your confidence was kind of increasing every time because you'd had all this great feedback from from the previous teams and and built such a good rapport with with the team that you'd been in previously so um i think right at the beginning i was definitely nervous to see how it would all pan out and 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 what what the different teams would, would think of me as, as a person and whether they they liked me or whether they thought you know I was I was good at, good at the tasks that they were giving me but um yeah my confidence definitely grew over the course of, of the graduate scheme. I think that's such a such a valuable thing to acknowledge and talk about because while you said there that you're naturally quite a confident and adaptable and resilient person it's really valuable to note that confidence isn't something that that you can't expand upon and that you don't have moments where that confidence falters a little bit. And it's just about normalizing that vulnerability because obviously at the beginning of your career, you're going to be a bit nervous, especially if you're doing something where you're thrown into lots of different teams and thrown into new environments um, straight out of university. So I think it's great and, and very kind of normalizing for people to be able to hear that. And for going on from that, what advice would you give to students or incoming grads who are listening who think I am a little bit nervous as you said that you were about going into this or I would love to be doing something similar what advice would you give for them when it comes to not only getting into the graduate scheme but thriving in it as you clearly have 
Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, well, obviously, when I joined the graduate scheme, you had to have done a RICS accredited degree, which my degree was. But um, but now we're offering um, places to students that have done a, a non-cognitive degree. So say if you've done history from Newcastle or whatever, and you haven't done the masters or or um, you haven't done a property undergrad, Knight Frank do offer places to people who um, who have done these who non-cognitive degrees, and they will sponsor them through um, a part-time degree whilst they're undertaking the graduate scheme, which I think is great because um, you're not then pinpointing those people who decided at the age of 18 at school that they really wanted to go into real estate because more often than not those people had probably been swayed by a family member or, or somebody working in the industry to go down that route and, and you know you may have done a four-year degree at say Edinburgh and then you may think actually I don't want to have to then go and do a master's in real estate that's going to be five years at university I, I want to start work so actually we do offer that to to people now which is which is a great a great incentive to get um people from from different backgrounds from different degrees people with different experience um into into the industry just not those people that made that decision when they were they were 18 to go and, and study real estate or um those people that then moved straight from their undergrad onto a master's because more often than not people might have a, a year out after university because they're just trying to work out what they want to do or they want to en enhance their cv with their with their work experience so then the time just probably seems to feel like it goes on a bit and um, so actually we do offer that that service to people now where they can do the part-time masters while whilst working on the on the graduate scheme so I think if if you are considering a, a career in property I know that when I was at school and um, it was it was very much encouraged that um, you should go to a, a red brick university and, and study a any degree basically as long as you have um, been to a red brick university but it just didn't seem right for me to go and study something that I'm not, I wasn't overly interested in. And it stood me in such good stead. Um, if I'm, if I'm honest, I, I personally think I've, I've, I've done so well um, since leaving school um, far better than I probably ever thought I would have done whilst I was at school. Um, I was never really the academic one out of all my friends. So I think if you, if you do have a, a passion for going into the industry, just go for it. You know, my school weren't, yeah, like I said, overly, overly reassuring about it but I, I'm glad I, I I did it and just went for it. Mm, I think that's such fantastic advice because it is all about having a wider diversity of backgrounds and experiences within the industry and I think for a lot of people who may not have gone to a particular kind of school or their parents may not do particular types of things a lot of them would have no idea that property was even a career that they could get into it does seem kind of a lot of the time like a very impenetrable industry so it's amazing not only that, that you decided to to go against the grain and, and go and do something a bit different and encourage other people to do something similar but also that we as Knight Frank are now encouraging students who haven't necessarily done a property degree who didn't necessarily know that that was a career that they could get into to do that as well and something that I wanted to ask you about on the back of that was that you helped to set up our next generation network which is something that we do internally here at Knight Frank um, and sounds like something that's 
an amazing opportunity for people at the firm to get involved with and it really helps to as you say encourage people from a diversity of, of backgrounds and with diversity of experiences to to improve their careers and get up on the next stage of the ladder in the property industry would you mind telling us a little bit more about the next gen network and why exactly you wanted to to found it and set it up yeah of course so um so typically with the line of work that i do the majority of my clients are our banks and um, we also work um for solicitors and developers um so i i found when i joined the team and when i first qualified that i was going to these networking events and a lot of um a lot of our clients who were at these events were middle-aged men who'd been working in in banking for, for the majority of their careers and um they really probably just wanted to be talking to 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 similar aged um aged people probably probably men because that's typically you know who they'd been who they'd been associated with and mixed with um in the past but um our team um is is relatively young um and we do have a lot of females and i just felt like i was going to a lot of these events and i was meeting a lot of middle-aged men but i didn't really seem to be meeting anybody anybody my own age which i just found bizarre because i thought you know if, if i'm a 22 year old female working in chartered surveying there must be some some young blood in these banks who who i can network with and and, and chat to and mix with and, and build rapport with because i knew that they were going to be the people that i was going to be um networking with and and liaising with and, and doing work with later and later on or throughout my career so i ended up speaking to, to these men uh, <laughs> who were at these um events that i was going to and i just politely said you know it's great to meet you but you know if, do you have anybody kind of uh, associate level or below that work within your within your company because i'd really love to build uh, a network for for surveyors and for bankers and solicitors and just young professionals that work within the property sector you know to to get us all together every so often um to to mix and to chat and to network and, and become friends really and you know through those conversations from speaking to to people at, at events that i went to and just um i have i have friends that are that do work at banks i have friends that are solicitors just generally from from school and and friends of friends um and 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 from just having these conversations with people um and even asking people you know in my team and and within the firm um if you know of anybody that is you know at this level if you see it and below um that work in property that are keen to get involved you know if you've got siblings cousins like anybody just let me know just send me their contact details in an email and i'll reach out to them and and just from doing that, just from being proactive and, and speaking with with people, um, we've managed to build a pretty big database of, of contacts. I think we've got about 200 people now that I've built over the, the last uh, three years. Um, and it's been fantastic. Um, people, people are very keen. People are people are very keen to to meet up and network so we we started the um the series um uh, night frank's next generation we ran them quarterly so um we would invite our clients to come along to our office in baker street and we would put on a, a series of presentations so there'd be a learning element to it as well we'd have um speakers from all over the uh, all over the company really research resdev um different commercial arms um they'd come along do kind of 
10 minute presentations, we'd have three 10 minute presentations and then we'd have uh, a Q&A and then we'd have networking after. So they get some, had some pizza and some some drinks afterwards and then just all kind of got to know each other and and networked and we ran that every three months I really wanted to do it regularly so you're constantly you know building rapport with these people it's not just something that happens once a year and then comes back around a year later it was you know we're quite strict on making sure it was every three months engaging with our clients and our and our network so that was that was really great and we we did that um for a couple of years and then obviously lockdown hit and we needed to start thinking of of ways in which we could um carry on with the with the series because we just didn't we didn't we'd work too hard to 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 give it up for for the time that we were in lockdown so we uh, we adapted we changed the we changed the presentations that we do face to face online we started doing webinars which have been which have been great and um, it means that we can have a lot more people attend so we've had um a lot more take up from clients and then they, they pass it on to other members of their team so um yeah it's great it's definitely expanding um and um we're definitely starting to see uh, some fees coming in from from doing this um which is obviously which is which is great too you know getting quotes through from from clients that we've met on these uh, networking events um so yeah no it's it's been it's been great I, I think that's amazing. I was just kind of listening to that almost like in awe of how exceptional it is to be able to create something like that and how much difference it's clearly making within the industry, not only the property industry, but as you said, the banking and, and other industries as well. Because I think so often with things like diversity and and inclusion and all that sort of stuff, it can be a little bit tokenistic and somebody will go about and say, we need more women in the industry. We need more young people in the industry. We need more people of certain types of backgrounds in the industry, but then they will do one thing and that'll be it because they'll have ticked a box. So it's, it's so great that you've been able to do something that's happened every three months and that it, it encourages people who may not traditionally be in the room to be able to have those conversations. And it breaks down a lot of the, the intimidation I think goes alongside networking and and you mentioned that right at the beginning of that that story that you were going to these networking events and that there weren't any really it wasn't necessarily women in the room it was all about these kind of middle-aged men they, they tend to call it the the stale male and pale which I think is a little bit disparaging um but also it's it's unfortunately quite an accurate representation of what a lot of industries look like right at the top for you was it really important to make sure that there were more women represented within the industries and it was important to get more women in the room in the world of property and surveying and valuations Yes, definitely. Um, and we, we do have a real mix of, of, of females and males at, at our events. And I don't know whether that's just because, you know, at my level and below, um, there just is a, a higher number of, of, of females as well as males, you know, probably a 50-50 split in, in most companies now bringing in, in their staff. Um, so you don't really see the disparities too much um, at 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 the level that we kind of focus on within within our networking events but um yes you know very much a, a believer and driver for 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 women in property women don't make the highest proportion of, of chartered surveyors um, and i don't know whether that's just because there is a stigma around surveying and, and what surveyors do you know I'm, I'm forever explaining to to friends and family and people i meet what you know what my job is and, and you know what is a surveyor I, I, you know i hear the term surveyor thrown around but what what actually is a surveyor and um, so i guess it's just educating people and 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 trying to let people know you know 
actually being a surveyor, there's so many different types of surveyors, there's so many different roles within surveying. It's just breaking down those barriers, I think, and trying to educate uh, young people as to what actually chartered surveying is and, and all the different types of pathways that you can, you can, you can go down. Mm, yeah, I think that educational piece is is vital for getting more women into the industry. And as we've already talked about, getting people from more diverse backgrounds into the industry, because similarly to the people you talk about there, I had absolutely no idea that, I mean, a property career was a thing anyway. I kind of, I always, you always see like estate agents and just think, oh, how did they get there or whatever. But actually there is, as you said, so many different ways of being a surveyor, not only within a residential sense, but in a commercial sense. And it's an industry that I think definitely needs as much education around it as possible because it is such an exciting industry and role that more people should definitely be getting involved in. And I mean, I could talk about this for ages, but I do realize that I probably need to ask you some other questions as well. So looking forward, obviously you've been in your in your career at Night Frank now for, for around six years and and looking forward at your career, what, what do you see it going next? What are the big aspirations you have for, for your career going forward? It's a good question. And um, this year, I'm a big focus is 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 still building my next generation program. It's 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 not quite where it needs to be yet, um, and there'll always be things to to grow on. So um, yes, I'm I'm it's a it's a key focus in my career at Night Frank, um, and I think something like that really needs to be nurtured and looked after otherwise um i'm pretty sure it could quite easily um fall off fall off the wagon um so i am constantly thinking of new ways to to improve improve the the series and and help it to grow and and you know at one point in time as i do progress i, I won't be the the right person to be looking after it so you know making sure that um there's a clear pathway for somebody else to then come and come and take over it but um just to make sure that it actually is sustained and um and 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 stays as a as a, as a focus within the firm obviously i got promoted to an associate in June which is amazing I'm very proud of proud of myself for uh, for achieving that in quite a short period of time from um qualifying in 2018 so um that that's that's for me was it was a huge achievement but uh, yeah, very proud of myself um and obviously the next next step from an associate is a partner um so you know I've been been speaking to my to my my boss my boss Katie Parsonson who is a, an exceptional role model for me and she has been throughout my entire career at night frank um so you know we speak regularly we have regular one-to-ones that is definitely a, a key focus for me for the next for the next three years um to try and um make sure that i'm hitting everything that i need to be to be doing in order to to get to that that point um so yeah partner is obviously and, and most definitely the the next stage for me in terms of that position within the within the firm um but generally speaking in terms of my career just trying to get involved with as much as possible um i joined the residential people board late last year um which is fantastic an amazing group to be to be involved in um you know we are very much the voice of the people um helping to get people's ideas and thoughts you know out there and voiced and to try and um get some of um these ideas and projects actually put into place and you know being that being that middle person between 
our people and and you know senior management we are we are that that middle that middle ground so um yeah I was very excited to be asked about that and we're working on some great projects at the moment so yeah just just to round that up um yeah partner is you know the the goal over the next few years but I do have smaller personal objectives and just areas that I definitely want to build on and make sure that I'm doing the best job I can possibly do. Wow, yeah, just just a few things on your plate then at the moment. Um, that's all incredible, and I love the fact that you're you're looking at your career from both an internal perspective and an external perspective. Because I think often when people look at their career trajectory, they often see it as just the let's get to associate, let's get to partner, let's do this, or let's make this many transactions, or win this many fees for for the company. And while those are incredibly important career goals to have, and and definitely worthy of of having, absolutely. But also, it's lovely to hear that you're your aspirations are also surrounding helping other people and and getting more people involved in the industry and doing things like mentoring graduates and and expanding the next generation network i think they're really great career aspirations to have and it's really encouraging to see that there's there's people within the business and within the industry that are looking to to help the next generation and and diversify the industry even further but to bring us back on to the name of this podcast obviously it's called at home with and so our listeners are always really interested to know about about your home and about your property ambitions um, in terms of buying and and renting and all sorts of things that are involved with your home and we spoke yesterday about the fact that as with so many people you've moved home during lockdown but when you look, look at the future of, of your your dream property what sort of things would you be looking for in your dream home and what are your kind of property aspirations going forward it's an interesting question um something i've been thinking about quite a lot recently just because you know we are at home and um i within my within my role at work i'm always on right move uh, <laughs> at Lomres, so it's always very interesting to see to see what is around um so yes i am yeah living living back at home um in in harrogate in north yorkshire um so i guess Yorkshire property is very different to London property and I'm constantly surrounded by the countryside and fields and and quite a lot of period property um which is is quite different different to the property that I'm used to um working with in London which does make you think you know actually what would I like my home to be like um having grown up in the countryside and you know in North Yorkshire um I absolutely love rural property um I love anything with with a bit of character um you know an arga uh, old features old period features um yeah i think my my dream property would definitely have a little bit of land perhaps not much just a, just a, just a small paddock or something to uh, to keep a horse in i'd love to have a horse when i am uh, a bit older um absolutely love riding haven't haven't had much time to do it um in recent years but yeah that would definitely be a, a goal for me um having having some proper outside space um maybe have a few chickens <laughs> mm, i love that i think especially over the last year as well i think there's been this huge increase in in demand for for country properties and we've seen that from a from a um statistical perspective but also just from anecdotally everyone seems to be realizing those real benefits of the countryside and how how good ultimately it is for your for your mental health do you find that when you're when you're in the countryside when you're around kind of open spaces and fields and all that sort of stuff that it really improves your mental health 
Yeah, I do. I do think that. Um, and I think the countryside is good for everyone. I really do. Um, just being outside, walking in open spaces, I think, regardless of whether you were brought up in the countryside or in the city, I really do think there is something good to be said about getting outside in nature and being um, just just out away from cars and into the fresh air. You know, I woke up this morning and it's frosty on the ground. It's beautiful. It's sun is is glorious. It's It's shining bright today. No clouds in the sky and I just made sure I got up this morning and just made sure I went out for, for a good 45 minute walk just before starting work because um yeah I really I honestly do believe that that being outside um in the countryside definitely improves my my mental health I know if I have been sat at my desk all day and haven't been outside I will feel so sluggish and tired in the evening but just knowing that I've got out in the morning and, and got out for for a break I feel I feel much better and I think you know whether you're in the countryside whether you're in in London if you can get to you know a park or some green space and and take a bit of time for yourself and and have a walk and clear clear your head um yeah absolutely I I do I do think that that being in the countryside improves our our mental health yeah no I I completely agree I find that if I've if I've been just sat looking at Microsoft Teams for a day and I, and I get to the end of the day and I'm like, oh gosh, I haven't moved my body and I can feel it physically, that kind of desire just to get outside and get some fresh air and, and actually just move because it just feels so unnatural just sitting down all the time. And something that's come up a lot over the last, again, over the last year, because we've all had to be that little bit more introspective and really start thinking about our mental health and our, our work-life balance and things like that is, is how we actually go about tailoring our lifestyle so that we're not overworking, which can become so easy when you're just getting out of bed and going going straight to your computer without having to have the commute and all the other stuff that comes into it for you is having that balanced lifestyle really important and if so how do you go about making sure that you do have that balance in your life and that you're not overworking and you're giving yourself that that time to, to exercise and relax and rest too it's been tricky in this lockdown in particular just because of the shorter days and it being and darker and colder but you've got to be pretty strict with yourself and and really understand that it's so beneficial to yourself and your work and and to the people around you that you know you've got to take time for yourself in order to to be able to give to people um so uh, i'm a big believer in, in in taking time for yourself and and getting sure making sure that you you take your your exercise um you know when we were back in the in the office um i was always <laughs> one of the people to to be um in the gym i would either go before work um or i would i take the time at lunchtime to get down and, and go to a class um, and i actually find you know exercising even when we were back in Baker Street it was a great way of networking with people I'd you'd be in a class and you'd be mixing with people in commercial in um Knight Frank finance in research you'd be it was actually a great way of making meeting people within within the firm so always a big believer in in, in that but um yes I think now we're in lockdown we have to be quite strict and and almost diarized you know the, the the time that we're gonna take for ourselves and um i even started yoga in the first lockdown which is uh quite a uh, controversial one for me because i'm very much into kind of hits hit training anything kind of that um gets you you know burning lots of energy and um, but yeah i started started yoga and i absolutely love it um really trying to keep it up as much as possible and um, but that definitely you know clears the mind 
makes you feel nice and relaxed and kind of set up for the day. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been an experience actually learning more about um, the different types of exercise that that I enjoy uh, throughout throughout the lockdowns when we haven't been able to go to the gym. Mm, I love that. I I don't think we can underemphasize how important exercises I mean I, I similarly started started yoga quite recently and I I love it it's been so amazing for my mental health and and it also made me realize that despite however much running and spin classes and all that sort of stuff I do I really do have very little strength and so what looks like quite easy exercise you say, oh yeah yoga that's gonna be really simple actually is so difficult um but you also mentioned there that you saw saw the gym in a kind of like um joking joking way but you saw the gym as an opportunity to, to network at, at night because something else that we are kind of talk, often talk about on this podcast as a way of networking both with clients and with people at Night Frank is is social media and the idea of having a digital profile. And a lot of people are talking about how it's almost vital for success in the industry at the moment. And and certainly from a from a residential sales and lettings perspective, it does seem like it's becoming increasingly important to cultivate that digital profile and have an Instagram and a LinkedIn account that people can draw on and, and contact you through in order to to look at your property. But from a residential valuation side, how do you see the role of social media and having a digital profile playing into the industry? I think that's really interesting. Um, I absolutely love seeing all of our agents' Instagram accounts because I can be nosy and, and have a look at what, what they've got on the market. And, you know, when they do the little viewing tours um, and, and videos on their Instagram stories to find that really interesting. And obviously it it's working for them and it's really engaging with their clients um so i think it's i think instagram is a fab tool for them um i think from more of a formal professional um service line like ours the work that we do is is extremely confidential and and you know that that includes the properties and the clients so nothing kind of in relation to the work that we're we're working on all the clients we're working with can ever really be be posted on on social media like the lettings and sales negotiators but um in terms of social media um you know linkedin is is amazing it's 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 a great way of of keeping in contact with your professional counterparts and clients you know or i try and keep keep in touch with our next gen series um on linkedin you know i have i have a a good number of our our next gen clients as connections on LinkedIn. So I'm regularly sharing um, Night Frank research and data and and information on LinkedIn, which which is just a, just a great tool that we should all be using more. And I think you know it, it helps to build the rapport with your your clients. But I think as a, a property professional, um, especially being a young female professional, I think it's just a great way of of um, promoting yourself and the things that you've been doing the things you've been involved with and just building a um profile and um, throughout your career I think I may have to clip that answer and use it in all of my LinkedIn training going forward because I don't think I've ever heard anybody put it in quite that way and it's so true it's that it's such an important platform and it doesn't need to be as as intimidating and and awkward feeling as so many people have um so many people feel that LinkedIn and other social media platforms are it can actually be incredibly useful from both a a networking within the industry and a, a client perspective so I think that's a really great way of looking at it. And so to begin to wrap up the conversation, we do a quick fire round. And the first question of which is city or country? Well, although I absolutely love London, 
my heart lies in the countryside so I'd have to go with country. Classic or contemporary? Um, I would say classic. Penthouse or townhouse? Ooh, interesting. Um, I'd probably say townhouse because it'd probably be more of a, a period property, but I am a sucker for a penthouse, especially if it's got um, incredible views and um, lots of outside space, which you tend to find with, with a penthouse. They usually have a very nice roof terrace. Cool or email? Well, um, I would have to say that I love speaking to people on the phone. Office or working from home? Um, I think when we were all working in the office, it would be quite a novelty to to have had a few days working from from home. Um, but we've gone from being 100% in the office with obviously some inspections within the week to 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 working solely from home. Um, and I have to say, I am a people person. I love to be surrounded by people. I just like to feel the presence of other people around me. So it has been pretty challenging at times to be sat in a in a room on your own. Um, I do really miss my colleagues. We are very close within in my team. Um, so I think I think I'd have to say a, a combination of the two because I I have enjoyed just having a bit of time at home uh, writing reports. But I I think a few days in the office and a few days working from home would be the perfect balance. Walk or run? Well, I would probably have said run. Um, I got really, really into my running um, and I used to run home from work a couple of times a week, which I absolutely loved. Um, but the weather has been so, so muddy up here. Um, I haven't been able to do any running for, well, I'd like to say it's the reason why I haven't done any running for about three months, but um, we all make excuses. Um, but I'm absolutely loving going for walks at the moment. Um, I love going for a walk before work or at lunchtime and, and getting out and walking walking the dogs at, at the weekend. So uh, actually, my love for running has really grown uh, over over the last year. So I'd probably say walk, but um, I, 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 I do need to get back into my running. <laughs> Amazing. And the final question, uh, a little bit more of a fun one, singing or horse riding? It's <laughs> a good one. Um I would probably say singing because it played such a big part of my life um, when I obviously thought it was going to be my my main career at one point in time. Um, absolutely love it. It's definitely something that I need to to get back into again. Um, I did join a musical theatre choir when I was in London, which I'm not a part of anymore, but um, I'd probably say singing, although I absolutely love horses. Fantastic. And the final question that we ask everybody who comes on the podcast is that now we're in our 125th year as Knight Frank, what does being a partner in property mean to you? I think being a partner in property is showing that we are one firm that can cater to our clients' every property needs, whether that be from renting a, a studio flat to them, to helping out with um, a commercial office lease, to helping source some research documents, to carrying out a formal valuation. We as a firm have so many different service lines that can offer our clients basically every property need that they have. So I think being a partner in property to me it means that we are one firm that can provide um, all services to one particular individual and hopefully be that go-to firm that they stick with for 
for their whole lives from from you know, from being in their early 20s to, to helping them with any of their business property needs all the way through to retirement being that go-to one-stop shop for them brilliant Alicia thank you so much thanks so much for listening to this episode of at home with if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love it if you shared this episode on social media, and please check out the show notes for more information. I'll be back next Wednesday with another exciting episode.